Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to the bald Face Truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with The Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. I, I think being resilient is one of the best things that you can be. It, it's true. I, I look at my daughters, like, I think they're all bright and healthy and they're smart kids and whatever, but I really want them to be resilient. I want them to be able to deal with failure and setback and because that's like, it's all over the place in life, right? Um, Sport Oregon CEO Jim Etzel is a resilient guy. I know this because he and his team and the others that were involved in the bid process over the years have submitted multiple bids for women's final fours that were unsuccessful and i wrote it today i i began to feel like we were a little bit like charlie brown as a city like we're all right we're gonna kick that football lucy and then didn't get the bid well good news today 9 a.m this morning the ncaa announced uh, a round of uh bids for future women's final four tournaments in portland was among the winners. Uh, it got the 2030 Women's Final Four. It'll be at Moda Center. It'll be at Memorial Coliseum. Here to talk about it, Charlie Brown himself, Jim Edsel joining us. Hey, hey, what did that feel like for you and your team to get that news? Uh, unbelievably awesome to, to watch our team uh, jump around the room uh, and hug each other. It was uh, it, 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 it just like a, it, we were a huge weight taken off our shoulder because everybody worked so hard, wanted it so bad for the city, for the state, for all our bid partners. It was just great to be a part of it. And thank God I'm the son of a coach because that's where I learned my resiliency yeah. through athletics. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is because, you know, you put this stuff together and you're up against Indianapolis and you're up against Tampa and some other cities that have done it. And, you know, the committee probably, the bid, you know, the NCAA probably has different questions for them than they do a place that they would never brought the event to. What feedback did you get from the NCAA as they toured Portland and, and sort of looked around? We, we just worked really uh, on giving them an authentic Portland experience. I mean, our footprint speaks for itself with the Moda Center, VMC, uh, and you know, Oregon Convention Center and the Hyatt right there, all within .2 miles of each other. Um, the plaza between the VMC and the Rose Quarter is a big selling point, too, for some of the activations. And then our hotel product downtown is exceptional. Uh, I'm not just saying that because I'm from Portland. The NCAA feedback we get each year when we host men's or women's uh, first and second round or women's regionals is like this top to bottom is the best hotels we get in any city. I mean, we were in Minneapolis last year, and, you know, it's a big event city. Um our product does stand up and, and, and stand out compared to other cities. Uh, they might not be the biggest hotels in the world, but the quality is really there. So that factors in. The mo- You can move around the city. We, we've threw in um, free TriMet and th- free streetcar throughout the entire weekend, uh, and that was a big differentiator, 200-foot two, blocks. All these things that make Portland special and a walkable city. And then 
what our neighborhoods are like, and uh, you know, we got great restaurants and beer and wine and all that stuff, and everybody tries to say they have that, but ours is special. We took our the committee that was here for the site visit. We took them to the sports bra, and Jenny, the founder, just was unbelievable hosting. We did a breakfast down there, and uh, and she got up and story told about you know what inspired her to start that, and it was watching a Final Four in a sports bar with no sound with a bunch of friends in the corner, and it was on the smallest TV in a sports bar with 30 TVs, um, and that's what inspired her. We have Bev Smith, you know, the iconic Canuck Duck there, and just talking about how she's seen women's basketball grow to the group, and, um, you know, uh, we had Karina from the Thorns there, and she just talked about the passion of the fans in the city. And then Mike on our team um, just talked about she flies. And so they all four told a really unique, authentic story that really resonated. You just looked around the restaurant during that moment for breakfast, and they were all nodding their heads. And we had a, a great closing luncheon up at the top of the Hotel Eastland where we looked over the OCC and Moda Center and Hyatt, and you can see the downtown, and it – because the river, in most people's minds, we don't think of it here, but to other people from other places, they see the river as this dividing factor, and it's like mm. a big obstacle. And we have to break that down and connect the two sides because we need both downtown and, and Lloyd District. So those are the things that worked. And, you know, we had good weather, and, and, uh, and they just felt a, a, a genuine enthusiasm. At our closing lunch, we had Shamia Fagan, the Secretary of State, got up there and gave a real passionate uh, story about her and her coaching young boys and girls. And then she had a black pantsuit on and a Fighting Ducks uh, jersey on underneath. And she at the end, she ripped it off and held up one forearm. She has a tattoo of uh, basketball going through a hoop and then the other one, (laughs) vote, and it brought the house down. And uh, Representative uh, Janelle Bynum was there. Uh, Mayor's office was there. It was just they could see that this – every facet, top to bottom, state level, city level, metro area level, and then the hospitality community, and then the franchises, you know, the Blazers, and everybody wanted in, uh, that the Thorns wanted this as bad as, you know, Travel Portland or Sport Oregon and the Blazers. So I just think we just worked really hard to be authentic and be true to ourselves and just focus on what we can do best that differentiates us from everybody else. I, I, one of the concerns I had, and I've written about it and talked to you about this over the years, is just the image of Portland and the garbage and the graffiti and the tarps and the burned-out cars and all the stuff that has cost Portland, uh, you know, tourism uh, over yep. the years. Did did it all get cleaned up? Were there questions about it? I mean, did visually, how did it look? And you know, how how important was that? We have a great partnership with the city and, and everybody else uh, that's tied into it. Um, and, yeah, we, we we put a spit shine on things in, in, the, in the routing that we had. And, and, uh, and they also, you know, we don't hide from it. We talked about it um, openly, and our city is in a better place than it was two years ago. To us locally, it sometimes feels like nothing changes, but there is, when you stop and look, there's been noticeable change, and I think there's going to be a lot more coming in. Hopefully this inspires us to to step up even uh, more so and into the moment uh, as a community. Um, but the city showed well. Uh, it was interesting, you know, some comments like, um, and it's not justifying our situation here but or, or trying to rationalize around it, but um, 
we don't look that much different than some other communities. Um, mm -hmm. You know, this is a big problem in a lot of major cities. And uh, But at the same time, it's not acceptable and it's not humanitarian, all those things. Um, I think they, they could feel it. And uh, and they saw, they've all been here before over the last couple of years, and they saw where it's gotten better. And they also know what still needs to be done. Jim Etzel, CEO of Sport Organist, with us. 2030 is a ways away. Uh, was that, you know, I know they bid these things out years. Does that give you time to do improvements to Moda Center, improvements to the Coliseum? What else is included in that bid? Do you promise stuff like that, or is it just, hey, you take the bid, and, and now you go about trying to put on a great event? You know, we, we sold it with what we have. Um, and, um, you know, if there end up being improvements at Moda Center between now and then, that's just, uh, you know, icing on the cake. Uh, so, you know, uh, we'll see, you know, how all that works itself out with and their uh, negotiations on the lease extension and stuff like that. But we just sold, we could only sell what we had. We couldn't, you know, and promise off that. Um, so that's where we put our focus on, you know, I think it's an added deal that the three primary sideline partners, you know, the top two, Nike and Adidas, have world headquarters here. And the third, Under Armour, is, um, you know, has a major presence here. That's an interesting take on, especially with the coaches' convention and having 3,000 coaches here, most of whom have never been on their sideline campus, or you know, their uh, their sideline partners' uh, campus or facilities. So, um, but that isn't what got us. It's it was it's the fans, it's the heartbeat of Portland, it's it's the our community being as accepting and as welcoming as it is, um, and uh, is celebrating diversity, uh, celebrating women, celebrating women's sports. I mean, what what. The fans have done whether it's 19 regionals and how they pre-sold the 20 regionals that got canceled, or it's what they do every week for the Thorns uh, and show up. That that makes a difference. What happens in Eugene Corvallis with the Ducks and Beavers uh, around women's basketball? You know, it, it and our state just has a good reputation because um, even visiting teams feel celebrated here. It's interesting that you point out that like. You know, the images that we think about when we think about the garbage, the graffiti, houselessness, that it happens in other cities. And I do think Portland took a hit, it probably unfairly, unjustly so, more so than other cities. And I think a lot of it was rooted in politics and how television displayed our city to the to the world. I had people calling me, Jim, going, hey, are you okay like everything's everything's on fire there and you know I'm like no that's happening downtown and I go and I travel and you travel I go to San Francisco yeah. I go to Salt Lake City I go you know I'm in Phoenix and you know I I get it, it it's it's ish, it's an issue everywhere so I'm glad that you pointed that out can can getting a women's final four help you bid more successfully for other events like an NBA All-Star yeah. game Absolutely I think this is the tip of the iceberg um you know we're we've already prior to this, been in discussions about what's next, whether we won this or not. Uh, I think winning this gives us momentum and even further credibility um, about the future, you know, um, whether it's, you know, going after an NBA All-Star game, which now the Blazers um, and us are, you know, talking fairly openly about, about dreaming again and getting after it. I think we will get after it collectively led by the Blazers here very soon. Um, how that plays out, I have no idea. You know, we got another bid cycle opening up in uh, in 18 months with the NC2A for 
27, 28, 29. Uh, we'll bid for another women's super regional. We have one coming up in 24. We'll bid for a men's regional. We'll bid for men's first and second round. We'll bid for probably a women's uh, final four in volleyball. Because um, this put us on the map. I mean, we're the only of the winners of these five. We're the first, we're the only city that has never hosted before. Um, so it, it's now given us credibility. And it was a big deal to get to this point because in the preliminary round, we beat out Seattle, we beat out Las Vegas, and a couple big cities in California outside of Sacramento, so the Bay Area and L.A. that had interest in and put uh, bids in. So for us to get to this round was an accomplishment now to win. I really feel like if we didn't get it this time, um, I'm not – we would never give up, but it would have been a tougher hill to climb because I think the other West Coast cities would have started leaning in harder on the next cycle, and it might we maybe we wouldn't have got through the preliminary round again to become a finalist. And so I think winning now, and if we prove out in 30 and validate their decision, then you know I think it's reasonable for us to think that maybe we could host one of these every decade or 12 years, you know, type of deal. And, and I'm not going to say there's any rotation but we'll have serious credibility. You see Columbus is a repeat, um, Indianapolis is a repeat, Dallas and San Antonio both repeat hosts. Um, so it, it does pay to win and um, doesn't guarantee anything because you got to perform. But, um, um, you know, it, it gives us hope down the, down the line. A really interesting point about the river in the division, and I've thought about this with Moda Center and, uh, you know, Veterans Memorial Coliseum being where they're located, we've seen some cities like Atlanta move the ballpark out of mm -hmm. the city corridor. Um, and I've always felt like, hey, if you were going to reboot this, when, when and if this time comes for new arenas to be built, it feels to me like it would go, you know, on I-5 heading south towards Wilsonville, Tualatin, like that area is untapped. It's... Are you guys thinking and talking about that kind of stuff, or is that way, way, way in the in the future? I think we've, we, we, we have chosen, since I've been here, to focus on what we have, whether it's PIR, which had no major racing at it, and now we have IndyCar and NASCAR, um, and, and there's other things in the pipeline there. Um, you know, sometimes we're always focused on the shiny and new. I mean, we got a very unique footprint um, over at the Rose Quarter and the Lloyd District, and it'd be crazy to, to, you know, take our eyes off the ball on that. Um, I do think if, the, if an arena or stadium was built to the south or to the west or to the east, then all of a sudden it's not accessible to everyone in this community. I, I, all of a sudden, you know, baseball went to the west side or the east side or to the south. It becomes South Portland's team. or It's just not as accessible. And I think because of the size of our city and the way it works and moves, being central is um, – is a huge uh, advantage, and it makes it feel like it's everyone's team and not just one part of the town's team. Um, and if we everything we can do to keep that, you know, sometimes the realities work out where it has to something has to be cited somewhere else. But if we could focus on Central City, uh, it can be very much Portland's team. I mean, the epicenter of the city is the center span of the Burnside Bridge. It's the the cross between our our quadrants, you know. It divides the city east, west, north, and south. Um, and if you think that way, I, I just think it's it's everybody's team instead of one part of the town's team. All right. Champagne at 9 a.m. this morning, or was that too early? 
Uh, I, yeah, we, we had Blue Star Donuts uh, and, and uh, Chaser, and it was right into exploding inboxes and phone calls and everything. We are hosting a reception here at 4 for um, bid partners and our board members and anybody who wanted to come from 4 to 530 in our office just to come hug it out with us. Uh, you know, there's a lot of smiling faces in here. You know, i got to give a shout-out to Matt Reed, our director of sports tourism. I mean, this guy is a focused bulldog. I mean, he just – he – Ever since we got that call two years ago, he has he listened. We all listened, but he acutely listened to what the feedback was and how do we address those concerns. And our presentation, uh, we left nothing on the table, and it covered all the bases and answered all the questions. I'm so proud of him and the team and our bid partners. Everybody wanted it really bad, so it was um, it was huge. Yeah, my six-year-old will be 13 when that event takes off. I'm I'm excited to take her there. Dude, so. I might I might look like you. I might be polishing my dome, and I'm going to be 67 years old. Oh, well, we'll, we'll get you a seat. Ah. <laughs> Jim Etzel, thank you. Good good job. All right, appreciate All right. it, John. There he is, the CEO of Sport Oregon. And look, at, at 9 a.m. this morning, the news broke. I I had been tipped off. Uh, this morning, and I started working on a column really about Sabrina Ionescu and unfinished business and the sadness around uh, the fact that we never got to see her team in a in a Final Four. And, and this doesn't replace that, but it made me think of it and because she built part of this. In, in the, that Oregon women's basketball team played a role in this, and Oregon State played a role in this, and Scott Ruick and Michaela Pivik and you know, uh, Destiny Slocum and uh, Aaliyah Goodman and all the players that have been part of Oregon and Oregon State women's basketball over the years, you know, they, they were stakeholders in this thing, whether they know it or not. Uh, and, and so, you know, I had people with the, with the Portland bid who said, how did, you, how did you have that written so fast? Well, I had about an hour head start, and I knew it was coming down the pipeline. I knew it was very likely that Portland was going to get it. I was tipped off by somebody at the NCAA who said, hey, you should be ready at 9 a.m. That tells me pretty much. Uh, I think they were getting the bid. So I had that column ready, and the minute it was announced that Portland was getting the 2030 bid, I posted and blasted to all the subscribers at johnconzano.com. So they found out first. What I'm saying is membership has its privileges. Uh, we're talking about it on the show today. We'll kick it around here. The big splash is coming up. So much ahead. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Thanksgiving week. Uh, I said I was thankful for Stephen. Also thankful for Judah, who's in studio today. How you doing, Judah? John, phenomenal. Thankful for you, my friend. I, uh, what else are we thankful for when it comes to sports? I thought about that. John Wilner and I were talking about this, uh, yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah. And I said, I'm thankful that the, uh, Pac 12 officials didn't matter over the weekend. Like we had two really close games, USC, UCLA, and Oregon, Utah. And nobody left going, the Pac 12 officials blew that game. There was some normal belly aching but they it was no like the outcome of the game was not in question what are you guys thankful for in a sports setting right now Ooh, this is a good week for, to be a sports I fan i tell you what you get the the thanksgiving triple header in the nfl is great but you know there's nothing better than ducks beeves for me as someone that's 
uh, partial to both schools. <laughs> I, yeah. I just root for these teams like crazy, and then when they play, it's my favorite day of the year. You know, the Civil War, the game formerly known as the Civil War, whatever. It's my favorite day of the year, and uh, Saturday will be no different. Yeah, uh, for me, you know, I thought Judy was going to go with the Seahawks. I thought that was the easy one, but uh, he didn't do it. Uh, for me, it's it's more of just what's happening on the field, right? Like, it's been a little bit away from the realignment stuff, and it's all about on the field, and it's what we've seen. And it's like you said, the teams in the Northwest yeah. have been so good. Like, this college football season has been very enjoyable from start to finish of the product on the field. Like, there's been some problems. There's been some questionable things. But overall, I am very thankful for that. I tweeted out a poll, Judah. Uh, Stephen already answered this question, but I asked who has the best chance of beating USC in the Pac-12 title game, Oregon, Utah, or Washington. Those are the three teams vying for that second spot in the title game in Vegas. Um, 60% of those voting, 2,317 votes uh, right now, 60% of those voting say Oregon. Utah and Washington both holding around 19.5%, how do you see that? Man, I I begrudgingly say Oregon, but I'll I'll say U Dub, you know, for the firepower. Because mm-hmm. to me, you you gotta outscore these cats. Yeah, <laughs> can rightly adds, and U Dub's got the best offense. Yeah, uh, I think Washington with Panix Jr. Uh, pretty formidable. I it to me it depends on whether or not Bo Nix is healthy. Like I need to see him against Oregon State, because if Bo Nix can't run, if he can't attack you with his feet, they're a different team. The funny part about that question, John, is Judah answered Washington. I answered Oregon. Utah's the only team that beat USC. I know. And nobody wants think to about s- it. Yeah, Utah's not it. playing well right now. They're just yeah. not the same team. Defensively, they impressed me, though. I mean, obviously, yeah. Knicks is a little banged up, but they did impress me. Who's going to win the Civil War football game? Ducks, Beavers. Right now, the other poll I put out had uh, 3,800 votes. 54.5% said Ducks. 45.5% said Beavers. We'll give our official picks later in the week, but I'm leaning right now. I, I'm calling it a pick 'em right now. I don't think that spread's right. Three and a half, guys. It's no. With the Bo so Nix questionable, maybe Oof. you don't know. Come on. Such a good game. This is gonna be I think this is gonna be one of the most competitive best games that we've seen in recent history. Uh speaking of games. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.